Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hold on. Hold on. Don't be scared. Hello everybody, welcome back to Rollery's Podcast. Um, I hope you're all keeping well out there. It's boiling hot at the moment. We're, what are we contending with? A lockdown in a, in a heat wave, which is an interesting one in a country that has no air conditioning whatsoever. But uh, I'm joined by a, a very special guest today who actually isn't in the country at the moment. You're, you're one of those... Naughty people that's gone on holiday, Ben, I, aren't you? I, this is Ben Haynes I'm speaking to at the moment. I've, I've escaped to the country, only I haven't escaped to the country, I've escaped to Athens, and I'm about five metres away from the pool, so I feel none of your pain. I've got AC, I've got I've got like a gorgeous pool, I'm not far from the beach either, but I, am, I should just point out, I'm one of those people that is incredibly panicky about COVID. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. It was a bit of a hospital pass. I'm not. I'm not completely holiday shaming Ben. There are f- mitigating family reasons as to why Ben has has had to go on what is not so much a holiday. Yeah, but it's, but I, it's but very I also much. I can't a... pretend that it's not wonderfully <laughs> convenient and absolutely yeah, stunning. Yeah, it. of course. It's uh, yeah, but. So just uh, for anyone who isn't aware, I'm speaking to Ben Haynes, the, the the face of 90 Min, one of the voices of BBC Radio 5 Live, and more recently, the face of N17 Live, the uh, Tottenham Hotspur's very own Soccer Saturday. Would would that be a fair billing? Do you know what? I've been trying to think for a little while about how you would actually describe it, but I think the closest thing that I can match it to is like... Imagine you're watching Sky Sports an hour before kickoff. Only instead of them being massively biased towards Man United, it's towards Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> Quite like that. So hopefully things will start to change on that front because we've got JJ sort of making his way into everything now. J- yeah, JJ, Jermaine Jealous, you know, just on the on abbreviated terms with him um, from the one time I think I did a little interview with him at BT Sports. He's, no, he's um, wicked. I really like him. I think he's quite like, uh, he's one of those, he's a bit of a chameleon, isn't he? He sort of pops up everywhere and then you're never, like you're always quite happy to see him. He seems to have a relatively good grasp on, uh, on the, the punditry game. And he's, do you know what, he's been like, I, 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 I muck around about the, the Sky Sports thing, but it's been, it's been really cool actually um, getting to just delve for ages into like just the Spurs side of things ahead of a game yeah. to actually just be like, right, do you know, we don't even have to try and give balance. It's just like, let's just talk about us, you know, which is wicked. It's really, really nice. It's it's funny, is it? Because uh, I, w- I was, I was going to say, because we, you know, we, I used to, so for, for anyone again that wasn't aware, I used to, I'll say I used to work with Ben. He he was he was technically my boss. That, that a, <laughs> when we when we worked together. That's a loop. Yeah. Loo- Ben's like, well, yeah, no, let's, we, uh, let's let's hang on there, mate. We, very like, much uh, we didn't work together, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we no, no. Together. The fact that we shared yeah. a, a room at a travel lodge whilst on more than enough shoots, like we we definitely worked together. Yeah. Ben, you you have had my uh, my very own gas tank on that front, haven't you? My, you've experienced my nighttime flatulence. Um, so uh, pray for Charlotte and everything. But uh, yeah, that's that's how that's how closely we we are acquainted. But we we both know the nature of online content and what have you, and the kind of the 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 ugly side of it. Um, and so you know when you are going to front something like this a show for a for a club and you know 
obviously the the club as it as it is even though Liverpool will claim that everything means more to them you know everybody loves their football club and we we do sometimes see this when somebody is say presenting something on behalf of the club on behalf of the fans there will be that sort of edge of it that's like who is this fella he, he, he don't know Tottenham, he don't know me, he, you know. But you are a Spurs fan. Uh, and I remember it's like, it was one of the sort of big things that we, after kind of, you know, we'd done all the job interview, we'd done so on and so forth, gotten all the formalities out of the way. Here's HR, here's that, here's this. I remember like early on, you were just like, so Pochettino, he's just, and that was it straight away. I was just like, yeah. So, uh, I mean, how has it been for you, like... Just, I guess let's just start with like some of your like earliest Tottenham memories, if you like. Yeah, sort of pre, just going back early, 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 early. Because I, like, I mean, my, yeah, my I earliest so. one is is so wonderfully Tottenham. Like I think it just kind of it teed me up for life. Really, the first game I ever went to at White Hart Lane, I watched. Vinnie Jones kick five bells of proverbial <laughs> out of Jose Dominguez. Like, I literally just like, it was so, per- it's like a perfect allegory for like the team that I support. It just like, we were trying to do all the, the, the right stuff. We were trying to play with a bit of flair. We had this very nippy, quick, exciting winger who, when he came up against this absolute man mountain who wanted to kick the living crap out of him, just got completely bullied, but it was great fun. Like, it was great fun. I loved every second. I loved White Hart Lane. I, I can remember, Jack, you took a couple of videos like this where you did the kind of walk over the, the crest of the, sort of like the top of the steps as the, the pitch came into view. And it like it's it used to take my breath away. And we were lucky enough to do a couple of shoots. This is before I did any works, but we were lucky enough to do a couple of shoots at the old White Hart Lane. Um, with proud Lily Whites and a couple of other of the fan groups, and even when there was no people in there, it always felt stunning to me. I I, I loved it, and I, there was always something really special about the idea of being allowed to kind of walk around it occasionally while you were doing a shoot with no one else there. It's exciting. Yeah, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is because there is something really weird about football stadiums when they're empty. Like, but with White Hart Lane, it felt like a little bit of a bit of a spiritual thing, do you know what I mean? Going going to your sort of uh, your place of worship. It's funny because I always wondered if it's like, you know, because you got such early memories there of going there as a kid and everything like that. It, it, and things always do sort of feel like summers felt longer and all that type of stuff when you were a kid. But my sort of lasting impression still, even when I was going there as like a full-grown, hairy, smelly man, was that... White Hot Lane, maybe it's the steepness, maybe it's the way it was built or something, but it always felt bigger than it actually was as well. Yeah, like you were saying, yeah. that kind of step, going up the steps and seeing the pitch unfold ahead of you, it was just like, this still feels massive, even though it's tiny. Yeah, I mean, what, what were we, 38,000? Was it 36, 38? Near, I think about that, yeah, between, around that sort of... It sort of fluctuated around there, and, didn't it? And by any stand... Like, I mean, that's a decent size for, for the UK, but by any big club standard, and I consider us very much a big club, by any big club standard, that would be considered small. But you're absolutely right. It, 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 there was something about it that when it was on... Particularly in the park lane, like particularly if you were in the park lane on a, on a big match day... I can remember at times such was like the excitement in that you'd often have people that were like just desperate to try and get into the bit that you were in. I can remember at times standing with maybe like two or three people trying to like cram into the space of your seat because they were sat maybe elsewhere in the park lane, but they wanted to be in the action. And it just felt like it felt massive, you know, it, because you were yeah. because you were a part of it. Um, and obviously it feels massive in a very different way now. Like the South Stand is just enormous. Like it's <laughs> it just literally massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And when you stand at the bottom of it and look up, particularly from pitch level, that's one thing that's been amazing is that I got to rec- do a little pre-record there the other day. When you stand at pitch level and look up at it, the vastness of it is is just ludicrous, which is amazing. And I mean, we're, we're blessed now that that's our, 
that's our home stadium, you know, that that's something that we've got. It's not just like, no, trust me, it feels massive. It's like, no, it genuinely yeah. is massive. I mean, that sounds very metaphorical. No, it's funny that, and you do get those silly kind of bits of pride, because I don't know, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Like, there's always going to be something that you hold very dear about White Hart Lane, like the original White Hart Lane, going into the new one where, yeah, it still doesn't feel quite like home. I've seen a lot of people talk about, you know, how kind of sanitised it is and so on and so forth. I don't really agree with that. I, I think the club have made a lot of efforts to kind of capture a lot of the life um, and the spirit of the old stadium and modernise it, if you like. And I, I, I don't think the problem lies so much, in in my own opinion, with, the uh, with say, the stadium itself. It's more perhaps the, the creeping modernity of football itself. And that's kind of something else entirely to reconcile. You know, ultimately the club have made a decision where they just need to keep up. We we can cling on to things like the old ground, but ultimately it's probably only going to see us end up being a championship or league one side in 20, 30 years time. Who knows? But you have to kind of realise where football is going as a game. And it doesn't mean we all like it, but, you know, that's kind of where it is going. And I think... As I've seen a lot of people say, when we have a few more nights like, say, the City night uh, in the Champions League, a few more of those, this North London derby would have helped a hell of a lot, I think, as well, yeah. to cement kind of a, a, a feeling that, yeah, this is it, this is White Hart Lane. Because we're in the same place. We've got the same match day experience, and we are lucky to have that. I think we really do need to realise how lucky we are. Arsenal, it's very close to where Highbury was, but it's still not the same. Everton, again, they're going to be going in the next couple of years, leaving Goodison, going to a new site. I mean, West Ham, we've seen the catastrophe they've oh, had to mate. go through. Look at you. I mean, and, and Chelsea tried to the best of their ability, and, and, and but for the fact that the fans technically sort of own the pitch, it, it may well have happened. Yeah. You know, it's... it's um, I think one of the things that I often challenge myself on is the idea that not everything has to be binary, right? Not everything has to yeah. be either it's White Hart Lane or it's the new stadium. I'm like, there's there there is a there should be in all of us a part where we look at White Hart Lane and cherish how special that stadium was, particularly in the season where we went unbeaten at home and it was just rocking all the time and we got to witness probably some of the best football that like, maybe has ever been seen in the Premier League at times. The Man City versus Spurs game where we won 2-0 at home and both sides pressed each other to within an inch of their life. It was on. I remember sitting there um, and I remember actually having to stop myself for a second and think like, you're witnessing something like really special. You're witnessing two managers yeah. at the peak of their powers playing an intense style of football that up until now has has not been at this this level almost anywhere in the world, um, like with two teams on that level of intensity. Um, so it's okay to cherish all that. And it's also okay to turn around and see that we as a club have gone into the next generation and are now so far ahead of any other club in terms of what we can do on match days. But it just, I think you're right, it just needs a little bit one of the things that stands out to me, it just needs, um, people are just still discovering, and I think that's normal as well, people are just still discovering how to feel properly like home. And that just, that's an yeah. incredibly normal part of um, the match day experience. But where we are really lucky, as you said, is that we still do the same walk, you know? We still get off at Seven Sisters or at White Hart Lane, and you still do the same walk. So 90% of match day is still there and 95% of match day is still there it's just the 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 next bit it's just about cementing in those final bits of the routine and the patterns and games like Man City help a massive amount and um, that the Arsenal game like you said would have been enormous I, I feel like that would have been like a huge moment if we had 60 especially the nature of it as well oh right? my god like... yeah absolutely absolutely like it would have been it would have been so special. And it was, this is the thing, it was still special in the stadium. Like, I, I can't, 
I can't put my finger on what it was, but there was a roar when the goal went in that was louder than any, when Adavara had scored, that was louder than any other roar I've heard in any other game. People still celebrate, but that was like guttural, you know? It was very, very like, we scored against them, you know? And that was, that was, that was fab. That was really reassuring, you know? I just, it, it, I can imagine it must have been quite good for the players as well, because we'd been totally written off. Arsenal looked like they were kind of the Arsenal again. That was the sort of narrative, you know, Arteta's built this young, exciting project. It's Wenger Mark II again. He's got the ageing stars combined with a few academy prospects. But that game was a real kind of like, even though we perhaps have been on the slide, if you want to put it brutally, the past few years on the pitch, it was still a bit of a like, get back in your box, at least for now. You might overtake us in a couple of years again, but for now, just know your place. Still, You're still ninth. Am I, you know? like, I, I sort of feel like I, I, I couldn't understand where the where this sort of... Um, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that Arteta has, has, has done well and he's had a lot to change at, at Arsenal. But I just couldn't understand where this view came from that Arsenal had somehow got ahead of Tottenham again or that they were somehow like in advance of it. The, the league table just doesn't lie. Like Arsenal season has not been a good one, you know, and I think because right. of the length of the season, people and, and because Arteta's come in and, and changed a few things, people are being a little bit revisionist in the way in which they see that the season has played out, maybe. I also think the FA Cup helps massively, of course, and like Granted, that's that's a huge success for Arteta and would have been huge for Lampard had Lampard won it. But Spurs have had a better season in terms of like the league than Arsenal by a long way. And that that win came at such a crucial time because it really just cemented that. And it helps, uh, I, I guess it gave the producers of the Amazon documentary a bit of a sigh of relief of like... <laughs> At least we've got a happy ending somewhere in in this mire, you know. Because that was like the, the the celebrations after the goal. I, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but you know when like players have scored and they sort of turned around and been a bit like, uh, not really anyone here. That completely went out of the window. When when the goal went in, they all just lost it and ran and made this mass bundle. And I thought, yes, even like people, the players get it. You know, they still get it. I think it does as well because people are, are very quick to say how little social media matters and all this type of thing. But we've seen now, like, I think Danny Rose has spoken about it in the past and I think it was maybe Older Wireld who spoke about, you know, the fact that Arsenal ahead of this game and after some of our matches have just been, like, taken to slagging us off. Because you remember a, a couple of seasons ago when they had Aubameyang and Lacazette doing a commentary on what sort of highlights of Arsenal beating Spurs down the years, and they were, like, completely taking the piss out of Spurs. And it was... it was, Yeah, I, I get that people want clubs to have a bit of needle amongst one another, but tonally it just felt why is that a bit off why like this is something that i can't get my head around why is it that is it because i'm a spurs fan or is it because i'm an old fart now like i don't (laughs) take well to the idea of clubs on their official channels publicly trying to like get one over on another team and i Maybe I'm being biased here and I'm looking at this lily white tinted, but I don't see Tottenham regularly digging out other teams on social. I just don't think it's something that we do. And I think I think that's the right way to be. I think that's the fans' job to do on, on social media. I, honestly, like, if my, my actual opinion on this stuff is I find it... I just think it's a bit... Um, you know the, the Steve Buscemi meme? The, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> yeah. It's, because ultimately, I, I kind of, having sort of worked to, to be a bit of a wanker about it, but having worked in this sort of industry, you know how a sign-off process works. And as much as it is probably sort of like a young, intuitive, in touch with social, like the social landscape um, moderator who has come up with this idea, ultimately... He's pitched it to some old fart in a boardroom somewhere who has just been like, 
this will make us popular with the people. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of... I just find it all a bit disingenuous and a bit naff. Yeah, and I know? think it came... I, I... Sorry, I was going to say, I think it came as well from a, from a place where social media accounts of teams in other countries desperately needed to grow. Like, the, the Premier yeah. League has led the way for so long just in terms of the amount of people that are interested in the league. So, so people from the other league teams, whether that be Spain, particularly Germany, like, whether they just needed to do something to grab people's attention, they could kind of get away with it a little bit more, you know, because they were doing it on behalf of an English account for a team in another another country. And it feels yeah. like it's seeped in. I wonder, though, do you ever, do you ever like... Um, do you ever have that sort of you've eaten from the tree of knowledge sort of thing and then you can't unsee the stuff that you've seen? Maybe, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, so, it, it's... so you're aware of that sign-off process, you know? So you're, you, you yeah. see it through that lens of like, how has this got through? Yeah. And, it, and yeah, I do, I do often like look at that enviously when you're kind of, you know, when you see... So like a, a, a rival publisher or something, doing something with a player, they've had access to a player or to a club or something, you think, how the hell did they get that? <laughs> like, we had like a week of meetings with them and they just said no to everything. Have I done something <laughs> wrong? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Why am I such a failure? <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, I know. Mate, you know... <laughs> You know what this pod's all about. It's basically about me melting down <laughs> for an hour and a half. In the yeah. again? <laughs> I basically invite someone on and have them act as a counsellor for me. And that's that's pretty much all there is. But I, I have invited you on and we have digressed, but I've enjoyed it still because I think it's all relevant. 100%. Um, but you have, you know, so you are, you're a massive Spurs fan. You're in touch with kind of social media, with television with digital video production in sport it's your career and now finally the the two have met you've been asked to kind of front and to host and to I, I guess help produce as well N17 live I mean how how did it first come about the opportunity so I think honestly I think um where I have to be really like genuinely humble as opposed to faux humble like you see so often at the moment this like faux humility doing the rounds on social media like of people so desperate to prove that they're humble that it comes across as completely bs but with me yeah. I, I, i'm don't for, don't forget to like and share <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. exactly and subscribe if you haven't already um but yeah i um i was just where covid and coronavirus brought a halt to everything it seemed just anywhere absolutely everything um it brought a halt to loads of the work that that i was doing just in in general with with football because obviously it stopped um and i don't know about you mate but i found myself sitting there while football had completely stopped actually i do know because you said this on your last pod but it felt <laughs> like there was a good breathing space there for a little while where you're able yeah. to reflect on what was going on and and how much of life you were giving to it and how much of an emotional um how much emotional energy you were putting into it and i think it was probably a lot for me um and and um and it slowed down and that was cool but then sort of out of the the blue i got a a note from someone who works at the club and said like now that football's coming back we need to find a way to still actually help fans feel like they're a part of it and help fans feel like they're um, they're still involved in match day because that's the unique challenge that we're faced with now. How do you keep an emotional connection to something that feels more distant than ever? Um, so I'm, I'm just in, in terms of the timing, just incredibly lucky and incredibly fortuitous that Spurs were happy to to trust me with it um, because I think there is like a it's a pressure that I put on myself. I, everyone at the club has been amazing to me and, and just been phenomenally kind in terms of the time and the patience and the effort they've spent on me. But I, there's a pressure that I put on myself around the idea of having to be the conduit through which Spurs fans are doing the hour before match day, which I, yeah, which to me is like the most important bit. And I'd be so angry if someone messed it up. 
<laughs> I just it like it's like you said earlier on, like, oh, who's this geezer? Sort of like you 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 have that natural inclination to be yeah. like, I hope they're one of us, you know. And so that's my hope is that I hope when I'm doing it that people are like, yeah, I I I believe this, like, I I trust you, like I I know that you are getting every last ounce of enjoyment out of this as I would as a Spurs fan. And the moment when I sort of knew or thought that that I felt like I, I was I, I suffer from imposter syndrome massively like I'm sure most people do that work in media because you can't particularly football media because you can't believe that you're getting such to do such amazing things you know it's like how am I the seven-year-old version of me is literally like wetting himself of excitement that this is the case um but the moment when I thought like do you know what like I, I do feel like I I'm a good enough person to do this is when the music comes on five minutes before kickoff, the show finishes right before um, kickoff. And then they play Jewel of the Fates from Star Wars. Yeah. And it, I, you can see that like, I'm on camera and I literally light up because that song comes on and I'm like, Oh my God, match time. And I'm like, okay, like I'm, this is all right. I don't feel like an imposter. Like I know I'm loving every second of this. So that's kind of, I guess I've, I've gone off on a massive tangent there, but that's been the kind no, of that's been the path, that's been the sort of um, the, the 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 in and out of how it's kind of come about, really. I guess because it it, it is interesting you say it because you know when I when I first saw because obviously for for obvious reasons these sort of things have to be sort of kept quiet and everything like that. And I remember just before the first step, you were a bit like, mate. So guess what I've been working on, and I was just remembered like buzzing things like yeah this is fucking awesome and you know it's i'm not saying it's good that you are but it's it's just like you say you are very humble about it like right you might be lucky you've been given the opportunity but at the same time i think you take away from the fact you've worked hard to earn an opportunity like this and given that you do have this kind of love as a Spurs fan which it is hard to cling on to like again I know world's tiniest violin and everything like that but when you do work in sport and you work around clubs and just the machine I guess of football it is sometimes hard to cling on I find anyway it is sometimes hard to cling on to that love but there's still something there that just just manages to permeate through that cynicism and everything, isn't there? Yeah. And I think you capture that very well. That's when funny. when I, when I have watched it. That's really know? funny, um, mate. Um, I hope so. I hope the best example I can give of that because you're you're so spot on, and I know, but it is that thing of like tiny violin, and you've got a dream job. So what on earth are you talking about? Saying like how that's hard or whatever. It, the best example I can give of this is that the the Champions League final. And I don't want to delve too far into that because we'll both sit here crying again. But um, and I know you've you've only just got to a point back where you're like, okay, I'm ready to talk about like Spurs. Why are you taking me back? <laughs> but, but I remember like I was one of the lucky few that got to go to the game, and it was unreal. And but I'm still working. The full-time whistle goes and, like, my heart is actually broken. Like, I'm literally yeah. broken as a Tottenham fan. And the only thing that I've got that I've got space for in my head is, like, start running towards the mix zone because you now need to speak to as many Liverpool players as possible about what a magnificent oh, victory God. this is for them and capture as much content of them celebrating with the trophy as possible. And, um, Seeing Harry Kane walking past, thinking, "God, I cannot wait to leave." <laughs> just, yeah. just like the, the thing is, is that I remember Sonny walking past, sobbing, like sobbing, like, it, 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 oh. and 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 I and I was sort of like, "Oh my God, mate, me too." And then as he's walking past, sobbing. Jurgen Klopp comes running around because he's recognised some reporter stood next to me and he comes running along gives a massive bear hug to her and that, like jumping up and down and I just thought, wow, this is like, this is where it's a little bit more like, because the Tottenham fan in you is, is grieving. Do you know what I mean? The Tottenham fan in you is like still sitting in your seat upstairs and is kind of like just completely cold and numb like we all were and that's like, that's normal. The, the working part of you is then 
straight in on on like right what have I got to do and and who have I got to try and speak to and what have I got to try and get from this experience so it is it is a weird thing but it, it that it's I've found that over the last few years just found a much better balance um and I'm still, yeah, completely sort of. This is this job is great because it allows me to just sort of run with it a bit and actually just just be be a complete Tottenham fan, you know, which is just fab. I guess that that ability then to separate kind of emotion and your kind of professional, I guess, more stoic head in that zen-like fashion probably came in handy when you found out that the first person you were going to be presenting alongside on N17 Live was like a personal hero in Ledley King. I mean... Because how how do you how do you go into that? Like, yeah, so not only are you presenting this thing, you're actually going to like just be alongside having a chat with like one of the biggest legends the club's produced in sort of 40, 50 years. So this is really weird, right? You know that... It, what you said before about the, the the sort of the idea of of being humble about explaining that you've got an exciting new job, etc. That the reason I think I'm apart from a generational thing, but the reason why I think I'm sort of a little more hands off when it comes to the idea of being tweet happy about like, look at this amazing new thing that I've landed, <laughs> or how great is this for me? Dream come true, blah blah blah. Is because in my mind, I'm still thinking that like, we haven't done the job yet. You know, like. Once you've done it for a while and you feel like you've done a really good job, then, I mean, you can be someone who tells people, like, yeah, listen, I'd love it if you come and watch because I feel like I'm doing a good job, you know. At the moment, it's please come and watch for Spurs, you know, come and watch our club channel as opposed to come and watch me. And I hope I do keep hold of that. Um, But that, like... Like you said, that nervousness that comes with the idea like this guy's like a hero of mine. I grew up watching Ledley King and loving everything that he did. I grew up knowing more about Ledley's King knees than I knew about my own. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I followed. I can remember following on the internet or on teletext or wherever, like what what the news was about his knee and how long he had spent in the pool that week to make sure that he was going to be fit enough to play whatever team it was. You know. Um, so yeah, like I was, I, I was kind of. I, I don't think I was nervous about interviewing him because I love interviewing people. That's the best bit of doing this, chatting to people and getting to quiz people that you admire about their career and the things that they've achieved and and just whatever. Like I don't know about you, but I, I'm always interested. You know, when after the camera goes off or before it starts, just just how people feel about things, you know, just to get to know them a little bit. Um, so, you yeah, know, I was really excited about that. Um, but I think the, 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 the main things you're just thinking, just, just don't balls this up. <laughs> please, please don't balls this up. Just saying, right. And we're rolling. I love you. Lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you said uh, Ben, we're, we are live. Yeah. <laughs> just sort of cuts to me looking doughy eyed at him. But which I did throughout the entire of the interview. I have this really awful habit. I don't know whether you noticed it when we worked together. I literally, when I'm interviewing people that I like, I do this weird head tilt where my head sort of tips over and I just start like gazing at them. Sort of. It's really... So that explains it with uh, old Darren Way in the Oval. Yeah, the yeah, day, exactly. Darren yeah. Oval Town. But yeah, I, I, I loved it. Like getting to interview Lady King was wicked. And he is also. Um, it, it, it will come as no surprise because anyone who's around the club knows how much he does for the club in terms of his ambassadorial work. Um, but he's a wicked guy. Like he is a really cool guy, and he's friendly and kind and very softly spoken. But he, when when you're talking to him, you listen. He's one of those people that carries himself with a kind of natural presence, which is why I think it's so cool that he's taken on the coaching role as well. Um, like I, I get, I get the impression I don't know anything about his coaching ability because I've never been coached by him. But mm. I don't think Jose Mourinho gives him a job unless he genuinely believes that we've got a, 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 a not only a, a wonderful person but a, a really good coach in there as well. Yeah, I saw that because D- Dan Kilpatrick wrote something about that in the Evening Standard, saying that the this idea that it's just a 
you know, whatever, a, a, a vanity thing for Mourinho to just show that he understands Tottenham is way off, that King has been working hard and impressing a lot of people behind the scenes. And I, I don't doubt that for a second, um, only in so much as I think a lot of people see kind of Ledley King's public persona and they see him as a, you know, He's a, he's a club man, if you like. He's an ambassador and he doesn't really give much away when he has a chat and all this type of thing. But as I'm sure many people who listen have, if you go to any of the Legends Nights or anything like that that Ledley will be a part of and you actually just hear him chatting off record as a bloke, he's a lad. Like, he is a proper lad and he... He absolutely does. Yeah, we can speculate all you like where he would have gone to had his knees not been busted, would he have left Spurs or not. But it doesn't take away from the fact that he clearly loves the club. He clearly gives a massive shit about it. Like, the the legends that I went to in particular, he was speaking about the fact that he should have retired way before he did. Like, and when he did, it was pretty much as a result of getting to that stage where doctors and what have you were being like, look, you you are actually risking your ability to be able to walk later on in life. Like, you you just have to stop. Your your body cannot take it anymore. It just can't. And so he had to stop. But he was saying what, basically in his later years, when he realised, you know, not even so much that he wasn't going to get his big move, but when he realised, look, I'm 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 at Spurs, I love the club, I've been here all my life, I'm just going to make the very best of it. And just because I'm not turning out in Champions League finals and all this type of thing, why should my focus be any less? Like, why should I not turn up to every single game I play for Spurs, being proud to, like, wear the shirt, to fight for every opportunity I have to still play in the first team. And I think anybody that can really remember King back then will will have seen that echo in in what he did. He was he was just our best player for 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 so long in a time when we didn't have that many good players and I guess it's just it's I think it's really fitting and it's really you know it's great that he is now in a place where he's not just and you know it's me that takes the piss out of this type of thing but the likes of me but where he's not just Shall we say opening Sainsbury's and what have you? At least in a in a in a public facing way. I know that probably doesn't do a lot of service to a lot of the work he does with the uh, foundation and everything like that as well, which is very important. <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. Do you know what I was just thinking, mate, when you said it? Don't you think there's a real beauty in the idea of it's? It, I mean, it goes obviously it goes back to like ancient history but and the idea of achilles right but it's it's there there is something special in the idea of someone who is so clearly wonderfully talented but has got a small defect that means that they can't quite be perfect you know and i I think as a tottenham fan that gives you like something to cling on to you know as someone who will never be able to play the game as well as the guys who go out and do it on a saturday afternoon there's like some real like twisted and, and and perverse joy in knowing that the person that you idolize is also fallible and that, that they're also yeah. somehow not like completely perfect they're like you're able to relate to them and and you then love them more for the fact that like do you know okay he, he maybe he might have had designed at some point in his career like any young kid who first starts kicking the ball that one day they'll play in the white of Real Madrid and they'll have the number 10 shirt on their back with their name above it. You know, like, I think that it's okay to, to mm. sort of accept that for a lot of kids, that's probably their dream move. But like you said, the fact that there was this kind of extenuating circumstance and the fact that there was a kind of mutual understanding that he was a Mr. Tottenham and, and in response, the fans kind of like treated him as such. I just think there was like a real, um, there was something special about that. And that's why even now people still sing about him at games. You know, it, how, yeah. how many, how many, you look at, he, he wasn't as successful as other captains. You know, there were other captains that were more successful than him, but people remember him as fondly as any other Spurs player. So the fact that he's coaching now is, is, is wicked. And, and 
I get a lot of joy from knowing that there's someone who cares about the club as much as I do now involved from an emotional level. You know, I'm not just for a second. I know Jose cares about the club a lot. And, and when he's in a job, he's completely in a job. But there's no denying that Levy King's connection to the club is probably greater than almost anyone that's that's kind of at the club at the moment. It's just, it's, it's a... It is a it's a it's a complex conversation, isn't it? And it's it's one of those ones that's it's actually kind of brought into full focus at the moment when you look at somebody like Gareth Bale, right? Who, yes, he's going to look back on his career. He's won it all. He's he's I think pretty much literally won it all. You know, yeah, he didn't win the Premier League or anything like that, but he's won league titles. He's won. He's pretty much, you know literally won a Champions League for Real Madrid. Um, La Decima and, you know, that incredible bicycle kick against Liverpool as well. But if you look at who it is now, he's just like a wandering nomad. He doesn't really have the affection of any fan base. People kind of, bizarrely enough, still hold caveats over his career. What has he actually done? He's, you know... Yeah, he won some stuff, but really he played alongside Ronaldo or Real Madrid spend all this money or he prefers playing golf and what have you. And yeah, okay, it, it's, it sounds almost bizarre to say a player like Ledley King is, he's idolised by a, a pocket of a, a mid-sized kind of club's fan base he won a Carling Cup in his career, despite having talent that should have seen him get a lot more. But ultimately, he he's spoken of with such fondness and affection by those people. The club themselves hold him in such esteem. And I do think a lot of other fan bases still do look... I, I, I regularly, when you look on Twitter, you look on social media, or even just in conversation with a lot of other people who are a similar age to myself, when they kind of drop the whole kind of ah, Spurs shit act, they are like, Ledley King, he was a player, you know? Yeah. In fact, even Thierry Henry talks about him, you know? And does that, you know, I know we all want to win stuff. We all want to see the club win things. We all want to see our players win stuff, but... You know, I don't know. I, I, is is Ledley King the real victim? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I've, 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 I've always, always felt. I know. I well, I, I do have this kind of like um, thought process a lot about the idea of whether you are loved more as someone that stayed with a club. Let's just say Stephen Gerrard, for example, at Liverpool, right? So he could have left Liverpool, gone to Chelsea gone and won the league with Chelsea maybe, then moved abroad to Real Madrid and could have gone and done all of these things. And I wonder where is the intersection of being successful and having a trophy cabinet that's full of trophies and being someone that is not only admired but adored by a fan base. And you look at someone like Michael Owen, right? He he can look at his trophy cabinet and he's got a Premier League winner's medal with Man United. How much does he care about that winner's medal? You know, he came on and, and scored maybe five or six goals in the season for United, perhaps. If that, a couple of important ones, granted. But how much does he sit there and go like, that medal means more to me than the idea of when there is a, a big kind of like landmark occasion at Anfield, people don't maybe don't want him there, you know? I can't think of there ever being a landmark occasion at Spurs where... Ledley King wouldn't be one of the first names that you thought of, of like, we need this person here. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and there is something in that. And it should, that shouldn't be, um, that shouldn't be tossed out solely because you haven't got five Champions League winners medals or you haven't won the league a load of times, you know, but it's the nature of the, the game that we, that we now are engaged in that ultimately everything has to be about, um, winning an argument, and usually the easiest way to do that is either via one of those like stats hexagons, or uh, or the amount of medals you got on your your honours list on Wikipedia. You know, it, it sort of it, it gets rid of all of the minutia, doesn't it? It gets rid of all of the kind of the, the stuff in between that actually makes football so special. 
Um, sorry, that was a bit of ode to Lady King there, but I, I, I don't think there's an, an, I don't think there's enough appreciation for the idea of players that that actually made a decision to be like, no, this is home, you know, and that, that I think you and I regularly discuss how much, uh, how criminally underrated Harry Kane is for 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 what he does for Tottenham and how good a player he is, and he's a prime example of that as well. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've made, I devote probably about 15 minutes to every single podcast about Harry Kane, so I'm... I'm not going to do that today as much as I as much as I would like to but speaking of say uh somebody of the Harry Kane generation one of the other guys that you co-host guys just one of the guys you co-hosted with you know just this just this little thing was this Ryan Mason a a good face to have around the place back again um how 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 was he how was that cuz you, you I think you're probably a similar age, similar neck of the woods you're from. It must have also been like, it must have been sort of a funny thing there, perhaps. Yeah, it's quite nice that you have stuff in common. That, that like, that's one of those things, right? When, you, when you're doing an interview of anyone, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir because you know this as well as anyone, but it's like, it's just nice, isn't it? You know, when you've just got common ground and you feel comfortable when you start an interview or you feel comfortable when you start a piece of content because the person you're speaking to or conversing with is basically coming from the same same starting point as you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's that nice sort of familiarity that you get when you sort of. It's, it's often why you see if you go on a shoot and you you're doing a shoot with a, say a, a a Brazilian player and someone comes along who can speak Portuguese and you see the Brazilian player just light up. Yeah. You know because they're like oh there's someone like me here. You know and that's like a really really. Um, prevalent thing within football um to to kind of like to to see that when you do interviews and it works the other way around too i mean it was just so nice having someone that you sort of naturally feel a bit of an affinity to and he was brilliant and incredibly friendly and he's doing from everything that you hear is doing a a wonderful job in terms of his coaching and is also someone that is interwoven with like the dna and the fabric of the club so that's that that's again a really reassuring thing that there's people who want nothing but the best for the club involved at every single level of it. Um, and, and he was class. Like, he was so honest. And he talked about having, like, loads of tear-ups with Eric Lamella in training, which, <laughs> which was just brilliant. Like, it's such an interesting bit of insight because you look at someone like Lamella and you think, God, I, I, I bet he can, like, not just get under opposition skin, but get under anyone's skin, you know? He's got that yeah. level of competitiveness. Um and it was just really nice to to hear that level of insight, to hear that even in training they'd have a bit of a have a bit of a tear up on the regular, just because they'd both be so competitive. Um, and it's those again. I, I think I use that word reassuring a lot, but it's that is it is those little touch points that as a as a as a fan you hope are the case. You know, you you hope that that's how it is, and you hope that um, people will live up to your expectation. And Ryan Mason like, absolutely did. He was someone that was just brilliant fun and, and really good to chat to. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's one of those things that I think stood out pretty early, and you can see probably why Pochettino had such a fondness for him because the only sort of real glimpses we'd had of Ryan Mason before the Pochettino era, you just kind of saw this quite sort of like, almost like a guy who'd been transported from a 90s grunge Seattle band, quite sort of (laughs) gaunt, a bit pale, looked like kind of like he wasn't really kind of up in anyone's face or something. But when you'd see him out on the pitch, like 
the guy was like a little general. Like, it was like a little pit bull, yeah. wasn't he? He went after everything yeah. and really got stuck in. And you just saw him celebrate every goal as an... I know it's that cliche, but he did celebrate as a fan. Like you see sort of winks he do nowadays as well. Um, and it's... it's I guess it is... It is good to know that the club do recognise that this is an important kind of part of what makes the club as a whole, then perhaps maybe why we as fans, I'm sort of thinking about this myself now, that we perhaps shouldn't lose heart in that the club are completely disconnected from the emotional side of football. Because we do talk about them a lot as being this cold sort of business that doesn't really get the fans, that's just completely modern and... You know, there's no real connection there anymore. But I think that through recognizing, after you know the awful things that happened in his in his playing career, that Mason still had a lot to bring to the club. And I, I think Pochettino at the time was really hesitant to let him go, but it seemed to be more that they were perhaps just doing right by Mason, who wanted to be assured that he was going to be able to play week in week out club couldn't give him that at the time so they were happy to let him go to do that elsewhere because they held such fondness for him but I don't feel like the club ever really wanted to lose him or lose his presence um, in the squad at all and the fact that we've gone straight back in for him as soon as he's available and as soon as he's felt he's in a place to to work within football again is is telling isn't it Um, do you see maybe future Tottenham manager coming? I, I I just was so impressed with his uh, like his manner and his tone and, and the way in which he spoke. So I don't, again, like I don't know too much about the, the kind of ins and outs and, and uh, of his, like um, the strategies that he likes to employ. I know people that, that go far deeper into to that than I have, but um, but I do really, really like the the way in which he talks and the passion that he talks with and the fact that he's interwoven, as I said, with the club itself. And I remember that... I, did you have this? That was the first team where people were leaving, like where you saw like a group of players leaving and it, like it genuinely affected me on, on an emotional level. I was gutted to see some of the players leaving because I had such a fondness for them. Because I think I'd only ever really had that in the past with, like, a player, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like Luka, Luka Modric leaves and you're like, no, Luka Modric, you know? Whereas I felt that for the entire team. It sort of melted away a bit, didn't it? Because people would often talk about his stats or this or that, but even moments when you saw, like, Andros Townsend tweeting the teary-eyed emoji as he left the training ground for the last yeah. time, you just thought, oh, "Fucking hell, this is horrible," <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, and, and 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 what what like what was that? Because it went like Andros, like this, he had a, a really strong career at Spurs, you know. It like he, but he was. I mean, he'd be the first person to say, like, he didn't, like we said earlier on on the pod, he didn't win loads of trophies at Spurs. Like, do you know what I mean? It, but, yeah. But, even even though he'd only maybe had three years, three and a half seasons perhaps, in the first team as like a standout, like, okay, he's he's a, he's a part of the first team. I was gutted when he was when he left. You know, because yeah. I think maybe what it represented. Exactly. And Pochettino tapped into that heavily. And he, he I think that's what made Pochettino very special. I mean, you, you spoke about it at the start, about Achilles' heels and everything. We we, we can look back on Pochettino and realise he wasn't he wasn't perfect, but I think he was... The reason why he was so special, his magic, as the old song went, is that he just, he just seemed to understand football. He understood the club, what was special about it, and he saw the value in bringing in a lot of young players who cared for and would fight for the shirt um yeah and to, to give him his dues much as he's much maligned tim sherwood perhaps started that process um but even Sherwood himself it now the dust has settled a bit he speaks very fondly of pochettino you know i think a lot of people are very keen to do this 
Sherwood versus Pochettino, who do you prefer? Or one's this old English gammon and others are kind of, you know, <laughs> like uh, exotic your, South your American. Your phrase is as sharp yeah. as ever. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think probably those two share a lot of similar characteristics. And at the same time, you know, they, as I say, Sherwood has a lot of affection because I think he probably appreciated the fact that Pochettino, whether or not he's spoken about it, saw enough in some of the work that had been done behind the scenes to nurture this kind of core of young players that would fight for the shirt as they did. And we saw that in the that's you know, it's what propelled us from being a team that was languishing kind of mid table again after the Modric, Bale, King, Van der Vaart sort of era the happy days of Harry Redknapp into again into a side that was up there challenging again um are you are you enjoying seeing the steel now though yeah like are you enjoying seeing the flip side of it because I'm getting a lot I, I, I I'm not sure whether I was perhaps ready at the beginning to but I think now I'm getting a lot from seeing a side that is incredibly organized um, and in defensively, like in terms of our defensive performance, we're so structured. I, I'm quite excited now looking ahead to next season and thinking like, if we can employ that in big games and in big semi-finals, maybe we can just get over the line in League Cup, FA Cup, Europa League. We've, we, I mean, we've all spoken about it at length, haven't we? I mean, whatever, whatever we want to say about Mourinho or the style or this. Spurs are winning games and Spurs are, you know, we've, the fact is we, coming back from lockdown, we didn't know what to expect because we looked, we looked an absolute shambles going into, uh, into quarantine and the Premier League break. And a lot of that I think was probably down to just injury. Oh, we had so many injuries and we just had a, squad that was deflated that needed the break that I think the sort of COVID restrictions allowed us to have but you can't take away from the fact that Spurs have been winning games Spurs have performed well you know look look at how Manchester United ended the season and doesn't that sort of make you think in retrospect looking at that one all draw actually we were really good we went toe-to-toe with them for most of the game that there was this whole like Solskjaer changed the game. No, he didn't. Solskjaer brought an eighty-nine million pound rated World Cup winning midfielder off the bench, who, lo and behold, turned the tide a bit. But for the majority of the game, Spurs more than matched Manchester United, who, you know, you say it in sort of a whispered voice, look like they are becoming a bit of a force again. So I don't know. I just I think there's a very peculiar narrative around Spurs at the moment where people seem to be wanting to put their fingers in their ears and hum and not listen to what's there in front of them in that in the Spurs aren't that bad they're just not you know it, it, it's that not a complete us, capac- catastrophe I, I, I like so much more being the side that is not the one constantly being talked about you know like to, to be the side that uh, come into a game and and it's on the other team that like is on the Liverpools and the Cities to be the kind of like the the kind of glamorous side that the media are going to go big on. Um, yeah. I always thought we're a better side when we're when we're the team that's kind of like just quietly going about business, you know. I hate to say it, but well, I said it last week, so I obviously don't hate to say it that much. But <laughs> in a in a similar way that Chelsea often are that side, I I yeah. always see that. Chelsea, that side, they'll have that season where they finish eighth or something, and everyone's like, ah, Chelsea are done now. Roman Abramovich is bored, and their players are all old. You know, Drogba's gone, whatever. But then they'll come back and win, the as they did in 16-17, much to our, you know, chagrin. Um, they, they won the league with that Conte side, which, relatively speaking, came from nowhere, you know? So... Yeah, I mean, if Spurs can do that, then that's 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 grand. I mean, do, I guess we'll we'll sort of. 
I've been talking to you for quite a while now, mate. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time. You are, you are still trying to enjoy a bit of time off, but you are pretty positive about next season then and the, the, oh, mate. the chances ahead. I, again, I, I have to caveat this with the fact that I'm so lucky in that I've got to go to the home games and see the home games behind closed doors. Um, I can't emphasise enough how organised we are. It's one of the things you don't see on, on TV. I can't emphasise enough how organised that we are and how well drilled we are in terms of our shape. Um, I also can't emphasise enough how quick Harry Kane looks. People were saying that in the in the um, United game and in the West Ham game that he was sort of off the boil and, and he took a few chances to score and he um, he looked slow and sluggish. I was must have been watching a completely different game because even though you could tell that he wasn't his sharpness of touch wasn't there, you could see that his speed is back and that was something that felt like maybe wasn't wasn't quite always present um maybe six to eight months ago he looks so quick at the moment you only have to look at that goal that we scored against Leicester City when um Sonny scored it was from a deflection but Kane plays that pass with the outside of his boot and then runs 60 70 yards to get ahead of Sonny um and then takes the defender into a dangerous area who ends up deflecting the ball into the net like that's the that's the Harry Kane that we're all in love with Sonny looks Sonny looks back to his best at the moment I think with uh, Hoiberg coming in as well um, and shoring up the, the midfield and hopefully providing a platform that our, our attractive ball-playing midfielders can go and play from, I'm, I'm really optimistic. And that's, that, for me, is what being a Tottenham fan is all about. You know, I always was, a, as, a, as a kid, I was like a dreamer. You know, I was a, I was a Tottenham fan that was eternally optimistic. And it feels quite nice to be that. At the moment, you know, going into the season thinking, yeah, like I'm, I'm backing us to go and win a win a cup this year, and I think we've got a manager, and I think we've got a squad that can go and do it. Come on, you Spurs, love it, Ben. That's, <laughs> that's a nice rousing battle cry to, to to end things on. But just just before I do bring it to a close, so N17 live, are we going to see this next season? Hopefully, as well with fans in the stadium now because I, I i feel like because obviously you're a you're you're a victim of, as everybody is a victim of what's going on right now the the one bit that was missing from n17 live is that interaction with the fans because you are in and around the stadium um and obviously that's another element that could probably take the show on uh, another step so do you think we're going to see the chance to have that next season oh, i hope so i i i, I, I think at the moment it's looking like we'll we'll um continue with the show and like it will we'll still try and be that middle ground between um like the fans who are watching at home and and being in the stadium and also giving you that fix of Tottenham that you don't necessarily get from watching broadcast coverage um but hopefully as fans are allowed back into the stadium whenever it's Whenever it's time, it always feels like you have to caveat everything, doesn't it, with with that sort of whenever it's safe to do so. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be wicked if it did carry on in that in that guise and as the atmosphere is building back up. Because I think what the government are saying at the moment is it will be a slow sort of trudge yeah. back to the idea of people gently coming back into stadiums as opposed to zero to sixty-two thousand like that. But, yeah. um, but it would be sweet, wouldn't it? Like the idea of, of having that many people back in the stadium again and, and feeling like, like I said earlier on, when the music plays ahead of the game, it's probably the closest feeling that you get to, oh, okay, it's match day. You know, hairs on the back of your neck standing up, yeah. that feeling like it's countdown to kickoff and in five minutes' time, they're gonna, you're going to hear like, welcome to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the world famous home of the Spurs. And you sort of get that like, oh, that familiar sort of feeling. Get in of, my in veins. Yeah. yeah, exactly yeah. that. And if that was just accompanied by the roar again, that, that, that comes with seeing the players coming out, that would just be uh, the, uh, the icing and the cherry on top of the cake, I think. Oh, mate. It's, uh, you've, You've gone. You've gone above and beyond on today's recording, mate. It's uh, it's just, I'm I'm fully I'm fully coised again after after a bit of time in the wilderness after that Champions <laughs> League 
malaise. I'm just it's it's back again. Um, oh, I'm I'm glad, mate. I'm glad. But thank you so much for for having me on. I've I've loved I've loved listening to your podcast. I loved the the Champions League pod that you did where you just reflected because I thought that was an itch that needed to be scratched for so many Tottenham fans. And I think the fact that you've got such a spread of people that had different opinions and different feelings and, and you sort of hit every single marker and the fact that you and Raj were able to kind of like connect a bit on it and then the pods you've done since where you've just kind of like just delved into different subject matter, I think it's just been amazing. So, uh, yeah, keep it up, mate. And um, you'll be like, with me on as many runs as I do over the next few weeks to try and get into some sort of passable shape again i was gonna say not, not literally mate don't expect me to be coming out running with you or anything <laughs> but like yeah if i'm just there sort of blabbering away in your ears from my bedroom then yeah that's that's absolutely fine but uh that, no cheers mate thank you that is that's very much appreciated and for anybody listening that wants to hear or see more of ben you can tune into 90 minutes youtube channel where there's you know ben's constantly fighting fighting Spurs' uh, <laughs> corner against a, a host of colourful characters of, of other clubs and such. Who are, You hold your own, mate, as well. You, you do a good job of, Possible. of Possible. keeping it together, of being like, I do have to be a presenter here, but he, he is... He is mugging off my club, you know, and I don't yeah, like and it. Yeah, and I've got to jump yeah. into bat <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, of course, on BBC Radio 5 Live, and when it does return, N17 Live. Be Genuinely be sure to check it out. Like, full disclosure, when Ben first told me he was on it, I was like, yeah, I'll watch because it's a mate and I'll support, but, you know, whatever, as it happens. But when I watched it, I was genuinely like, this is actually really good. Like, I would so much rather if i'm if i'm not able to go to a game or i'm not at a game would i rather sit and watch sky go on and slag off whatever player or watch you know any panel show or anything like that where they're kind of feeding you this half truth because they've not really bothered to watch blah 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 whereas this is it's not even like club propaganda it's just the club producing a pre-match magazine show, which is really, really good. And there's a lot to it. And it's, yeah, it's seamless, mate. It's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I would urge urge anyone who's listening to to watch it as well before before games, especially if you are, you know, one of the fans who watches from abroad, if you are listening from abroad, it's a very good way, as as Ben was saying, to, to sort of connect with that match day experience as well at the time of it happening as well. Because I, I know there's a lot of fans who do the, the vlogging stuff that people like to tune into to get that experience. But if you want to be there on the pulse, yeah, check out N17 Live. It is, it is brilliant. So uh, thanks again for coming on, though, Ben. And it's, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Cheers, man. It's been wicked. I, hopefully we'll uh, be sitting with you again soon after we've won a trophy or three. Come on, you Cause all of the stars are fading away Just try not to worry You'll see them someday Take what you need And be on your way And stop crying your heart out Cause all of the stars are fading away Just try not to Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 